Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. The American people are looking for progress right now. They're looking for action. We want secure and safe schools, and we want gun laws that won't make it so easy for the bad guys to get these damn guns. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. I'm Irvin Magic Johnson, and I'm so proud to endorse my friend, Hi, I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. I am endorsing my old friend Rick Caruso for mayor. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Ah, the biggest primary day of the cycle has arrived. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we follow key races from California to New Jersey that will help set the stage for the midterm elections. Bloomberg's elections guru Greg Giroux joins us. In just a moment with what you need to know tonight as we lead into tomorrow morning. Later on, President Biden meets with the Democrat leading gun legislation talks in the Senate. As the White House invites Matthew McConaughey to help make the case, we'll have the latest on a possible compromise from Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins. An analysis from our panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. We step out of Washington to start the hour because people are voting right now in seven states across the country. The busiest day in the cycle before the general election. And we've got a close eye on California. We have for a couple of days here, along with several other states, that Bloomberg's Greg Giroux is writing about says it'll help decide nominees for almost one-fifth of the 435 House districts. So let's call it Super Tuesday. Can we say that? Greg's got a comprehensive write-up, and I encourage you to find it on the terminal. Make it sound smart at the cocktail parties later. Greg Giroux, welcome back. Happy primary day. We're going to get to the L.A. mayor's race, which has apparently divided Hollywood, uh, I'm hearing. But I want to start with a Republican member of Congress who could be endangered. And there's a Trump connection. David Valadeo, the son of immigrants. He's a farmer with deep roots in the Central Valley. David Valadeo, among 10 Republican members who voted to impeach Donald Trump in January 21, and the first to face primary voters, at least among those seeking re-election. Greg Giroux, is he the canary in Trump's coal mine? It's definitely a district to look at. California has 52 districts more than any other state. And they also have what's known as a top two primary, where everybody runs on one ballot, Democrats, Republicans, candidates of other parties. And that can create some mischief and confusion. And the problem for the, the challenge for the Republicans in that district and in at least one other district is that the Democrats have one candidate, but the Republicans have several. Yeah. And David Valadeo has a challenger on his right who's very much running as a Trump-aligned Republican, although the former president has stayed unusually quiet about this race. I was going to ask you about that. You've got two Republicans challenging him, right? The former city councilman, Chris uh, Mathis, education board trustee, Adam Medeiros, neither endorsed by Trump. What happened to the retribution? Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, it, it may have something to do with the fact that um, 
Uh, Valadeo represents a district that's next door to Kevin McCarthy's, and it may be the case that McCarthy prevailed uh, on the former president or his advisors that um, this district, which leans Democratic, is an anti-Trump district. It's probably the only – it's a district where David Valadeo, who has crossover appeal, is probably the only Republican who could win that district. Got it. This is going to be, though, uh, a, a bit of a foreshadowing for the others. I think there are six, if I remember, seeking re-election who voted Republicans, that is, to impeach. That's right. Yeah, six of them. Yeah, you had 10 total, and six of them are seeking re-election, and David Valadeo was the first to face the voters. Fascinating. These are some of the races you might not be hearing as much about in, in mainstream uh, election coverage, so we want to bring it to you. And I really hope for the best, that person behind you, Greg, I'm starting to worry a little bit. Um, the mayor's race. We've got to talk about this. It's a fascinating one because we read it has divided Hollywood. And how can you go wrong with a story like this? Celebrity endorsements on both sides here. As we consider the way this has unfolded with Rick Caruso and Representative Karen Bass, we've talked about the money. Caruso dropping $34 million to Karen Bass's two. But it's the battle of the endorsements, Greg, that has really gotten my attention here. My goodness, listen to Kim Kardashian. I know the election's coming up, and I just wanted to share my thoughts on Rick Caruso. I think that he um, really can help with the crime in our city, which is such a big issue and super scary, but also the homeless issue it's it's such a problem you're going to hear that by the way in almost all of these for both candidates crime homelessness we set you up for this already on the other side uh, for and i'm not trying to compare celebrities here i mean my goodness there are several on each side hi i'm Irvin magic johnson okay and i'm so proud to endorse my friend karen bass karen to bass. be the next mayor of los angeles i've been so blessed to know karen and work with her for over 27 years. Greg, I could play these all hour. The number of uh, celebrities who have gotten involved in this race is remarkable, and, and some of them might stump you. I mean, you've got Gwyneth Paltrow going for Caruso, the Republican-turned-Democrat. What's going on here? Yeah, it's quite a motley crew of people who have uh, decided to endorse uh, either of the major candidates there, uh, Caruso and Bass. You mentioned Kardashian, Paltrow. Yeah. Uh, Elon Musk has praised uh, Caruso, Wolfgang Puck. Uh, maybe even Snoop Dogg. <laughs> it's a quite quite a group of. People. Oh no, Snoop and, is uh, Caruso uh, uh, as well, right? At least, I think so. Yeah, um, wow. it's kind of hard to keep track of all of yes, them. Yes, it is. But, uh, but certainly, uh, I, I think if uh, we'd ever see anything like this, it would be in a Los Angeles race. And um, yeah, you mentioned Caruso's big spending of money. Uh, Karen Bass, um, not as much, although she has a you know long record as an office holder, uh, former Assembly Speaker in California, mm-hmm. and as a, a member of Congress in the Los Angeles area. Yeah, and you know, I, I see uh, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi. Do those kind of endorsements matter in this race, on, in a citywide race? Oh, it could. I mean, it, it, it can, you know, it's kind of like a, a nice, good housekeeping seal. It can help, yeah. uh, you know, deliver some money. Um, I don't know how many votes it will actually uh, uh, bring in favor for the candidate, but it's, uh, it, it, it certainly hurt, helps more than uh, hurts. Well, listen to the way Karen Bass is framing Rick Caruso, her challenger in this race. What do we know about Rick Caruso? We know he was a registered Republican for decades, and not just any kind of Republican. Caruso served as a senior advisor to President Trump. It's true. And Uh, now he's taking a page straight from the Trump playbook. And another Trump connection here, Greg. Is that fair in the ad, by the way? 
well, um, I, I'm not too familiar with Caruso's background enough to, to know that, but um, he does. I do know that he was uh, previously registered as a Republican. I don't know the yes. extent of his Trump ties, but Los Angeles is so overwhelmingly Democratic that uh, any, uh, you know, certainly any uh, past Republican ties, I think, you know, a Democrat would like to uh, uh, tie to that candidate. Although, uh, you know, I think what um, Caruso is trying to do is. Uh, try and win in the same way that Richard Reardon did three decades ago. You know, kind of a wealthy, moderate Republican businessman mm-hmm. spent a lot of money on the race mm-hmm. um, at a time when uh, you know crime was a big issue as it is today in Los Angeles. We'll, we'll see, though. Um, the latest polls I've seen have um, Bass and Caruso both both around the 30s, and so um, this is going to be real close. I think it should be. Very yeah. well could be. Yeah. Well, you mentioned crime. Uh, as I mentioned, crime and homelessness in, in every one of these endorsements is mentioned at some point and in some form. Not everybody uses the same uh, the, the same verbiage, of course. But it brings us to the recall election for district attorney in San Francisco. Chesa Boudin elected in 2019 and was a number of D.A.'s. Uh, elected in in districts across the country by progressive voters who wanted to lower incarceration rates and maybe take a different approach. And my goodness, a recall election is all you need to know about how well it's been going. Uh, Is this something that's getting an enormous amount of attention in in San Francisco? And do we have a sense of, of, of how much danger the D.A. is in? I'm not sure how much danger the DA is in, but it's a very serious recall election. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's um, it's certainly getting a lot of attention. I think certainly in San Francisco and in California, maybe not as much on the East Coast, but I think it yeah. will certainly if the uh, if Boudin is uh, uh, is recalled. But it, it does really call to attention uh, some of the you know that, that wave of progressive district attorneys who got elected in 2018 and 2019 on mm-hmm. campaigns of reducing incarceration, ending uh, cash bail and so forth. So that's certainly one of the uh, certainly one of the more local races I'll be keeping an eye on tonight. The big one, of course, the gubernatorial. Uh, is this a slam dunk for Gavin Newsom, even though he's got 25 people running against him? Yeah, it's um, yet, yet another long ballot in California. Um, I, I think he'll be fine. You know, there was some uh, when he you know, he survived a recall election last year, as, uh, as our listeners know. And, you know, there was some I think some uh, talk kind of early in that camp campaign that uh, perhaps there, there was an opening uh, or some vulnerability for Newsom. But he wound up winning that race about mm-hmm. as handily as he won his original race in 2018 by more than 20 percentage points. California is just so overwhelmingly Democratic, excuse me that there's just really isn't really an opening uh, for a Republican. Yeah. What does it say about the progressive brand, though, in California, of all places? Uh, well, it's I think it's still pretty, uh, pretty, pretty strong there, at least, um, you know, notwithstanding what we might see in some of those local races, the yeah. DA races. But just to but see it, Gwyneth Paltrow it, it, and others, you know, making videos of themselves talking about street crime and home, homelessness, it's just a different uh, vibe than it was in the last election. Yeah, it really is. I think it's I think it's a yeah, very different vibe in kind of those local elections, maybe L.A. mayor, San Francisco, yeah. uh, D.A. recall. But in statewide federal elections, um, yeah, it's still uh, an overwhelmingly Democratic state. And, um, yeah, typically a, a, a you know, progressive Democrat can win statewide in California in most uh, statewide federal elections and then also most of the congressional districts. Yeah. Uh, Greg, I could throw races at you all night. And I, my goodness, the way you've laid this out in the column makes it a very very accessible for people. Uh, but of course, we don't have enough time to do that. I would ask you, what are you watching that I, I might not be thinking about tonight? Where should we be ca- casting our eyes here when results are coming in? 
Uh, we've got, um, we mentioned David Valadeo at the top. There's also mm-hmm. a race in Orange County in Southern California where you have a first-term Republican congresswoman, Young Kim, yes. running in a district that's about 80% new to her. And mm-hmm. kind of like in the Valadeo race, she faces a much more uh, aggressively conservative challenger, and there's only one Democrat on the race. And in both races, the Democrats would like to see the more conservative candidate, the non-incumbent advance. So, you know, in these top two primaries, there's always a, some opportunities for a little bit of mischief. We'll see if that yep. if that works. Works. But that's a race to watch. And also, Ryan Zinke in Montana, he's trying for a comeback <laughs> after being Trump's interior secretary. Yes. That Republican primary is tonight. We'll do a whole show on that one, Greg. Uh, great to go through this with Greg Giroux, Bloomberg government elections reporter, five on the terminal. Love the panel next. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. I mentioned uh, Kim Kardashian, right? Did we hear? No, was it Gwyneth Paltrow? I can't keep track of the endorsements. Even Norman Lear got involved. I'm not not kidding. And yes, he did endorse Karen Bass. This, of course, the L.A. mayor's race. If you're just joining us, welcome to the fastest hour in politics. Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington, back in the bubble. And we assemble the best panel in the business. Rick Davis is here along with Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors. I don't know who you'd rather meet. I know the election's coming up, and I just wanted to share my thoughts on Rick Caruso. I think that he um, really can help with the crime. Kardashian? Or Paltrow. Hi, I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and I'm a native Angelino. I was born here, and I've spent much of my life in this amazing city that I love very much. I think we need to be honest with ourselves that L.A. is uh, experiencing a tough time right now, and I think we really need a leader who can come in and has the strength to solve some really tough problems. So that is why I am endorsing my old friend Rick Caruso for mayor. Are they really old friends, Jeannie? How are this many movie stars, musicians, athletes, Hollywood elites getting involved in such a personal level? Everyone's making a video for crying out loud. 
Yeah, you know, when you're a billionaire and you've developed all these popular outdoor shopping centers like The Grove, they, you, can you imagine Kim Kardashian's <laughs> boyfriend, can we call him that, Pete Davidson, was just pictured at The Grove. So oh. I think there's a oh. lot. Don't ask me how I know that, Joe Matthew, God, I, but I do. so connected. I'm so connected. Um, so, you know, it's not a stretch to me that they all know him, um, you know, and this is Hollywood. So they're all going to come out. But I do think the issue that the issues that are driving this are, of course, rising prices crime and the homeless issue and it is across the state and across the country and it's really a civil war with democrats between the progressive policies and the more establishment and i thought greg was so right when he raised richard reardon who came in in the 1990s in a very very liberal progressive city as a conservative ready to take on the issue of crime and we're seeing something similar in both la now san francisco potentially and new york city What's happening, Rick, when you hear progressives and movie stars making videos about crime as they sit on their couches at home, crime and homelessness? You know, I've, I've always been very skeptical uh, of the impact of entertainers on the electorate. Uh, I've never actually seen it work particularly well. Huh. I've seen it backfire a number of times. Yeah. Uh, and so I, 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 I don't think a lot of this noise, and it's highly entertaining. I mean, it's fun to listen to um, uh, these entertainers opine on issues like crime. But uh, I, I really don't think it's going to amount to much. I think that you look at the amount of money even that, in a place uh, like Caruso Hollywood, spent, and that's going to have a bigger impact. Sure, it's, even it's, Hollywood. I mean, they're, they're they're just like another voter. I mean, Hollywood's chock full of right. entertainers. What's the difference between an entertainer and a gardener? Right, well, you, their <laughs> car. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's very good. And uh, look, you're the one who designed the you you're the man behind the celebrity ad, right? I mean, the Paris Hilton Obama ad. You're, yeah. You've called this out before. And that's, uh, yeah, I can honestly say I've put myself in front of the line on this one. Uh, and, you know, and even even politicians act like celebrities can have it backfire. So uh, I, I, I think there's much to do about nothing. It is highly entertaining. I mean, it is Hollywood, as you point out. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, uh, people vote on, you know, the, the breadbasket issues, uh, the economy and, and safety in their homes. And, 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 and all of those are up for grabs right now in, in this race. You heard the ad, I, I think, uh, the Karen Bass ad a short time ago that I that I played, Jeannie, where she's framing Caruso as a Trump colleague that, you know, this is not who you think he is. The former Republican who just dropped thirty four million dollars on this race is misleading you. Is that resonating? It can. You know, I thought we were going to play a game where you played some of these endorsements and had Rick identify <laughs> the voices. They're, well, um, Rick actually hangs out with all these people. <laughs> he does. I can't do that. He does. Um, you know, I do think that that is uh, probably an effective strategy. I mean, we can't forget Caruso was a Republican, just switched to the Democratic side recently. Um, you know, he does have these connections, but I don't think that overcomes the reality of the situation. You know, you look at some of the data, shootings up from two years ago in L.A., 65% robbery up almost 20 percent homicides up almost 33 34 percent those are big numbers and of course we've had you know really high profile crimes against wealthy people in san francisco and la so you know when you talk about lifestyle people paying a lot of money in taxes inflation is high homelessness is high crime is high and they want relief so it's not enough to simply say 
you know, uh, and I'm not saying Bass is doing this, but that Caruso is connected with Trump. She's got to make the case that she has the policies and she's not somebody who's going to, you know, embrace, uh, you know, sort of this idea that people think went too far when it comes to criminal justice reform. That's not also keeping the city safe. Mm -hmm. That's a real issue. We talked about uh, David uh, Valadeo a little bit earlier, his race in this uh, primary that's taking place today, Rick. Uh, one of 10 Republican members of the House who voted to impeach Donald Trump. What happened to the retribution tour? Trump did not endorse the Republicans challenging him. Yeah, I think that uh, your, the point that was made earlier about uh, the district being next to uh, Kevin McCarthy's might have uh -huh. had something to do with it. Uh, it, it. It is actually kind of refreshing uh, that with all these states in play and all these districts that there's actually no real Trump footprint on any of these races in a big way. Yeah. Uh, we just got through last week, which was just all Trump all the time. So uh, the fact that David Valadeo has, has escaped that, um, I think is a, a, a tendency maybe for the future where it's like maybe Donald Trump isn't on the vengeance tour anymore. Rick and Jeannie are with us for the hour. The signature sound on panel. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. We're going to turn to what happened today at the White House. Matthew McConaughey as press secretary and the road to compromise on gun legislation. We'll talk about it with Emily Wilkins next. This is Bloomberg. And welcome to Sound On. The Tuesday edition as we return to the nation's capital here and just in time to bump into Matthew McConaughey at the White House. That happened today. He was on Capitol Hill yesterday, and you might wonder why, just hours after President Biden was briefed by Senator Chris Murphy, the Democrat from Connecticut, uh, on the talks that have continued here with Senator John Cornyn, this bipartisan group of senators working on some compromise over some new gun laws. Matthew McConaughey is brought into the briefing room by the press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre. Uvalde, Texas is where I was born. It's where my, my mom taught kindergarten less than a mile from Robb Elementary. Uvalde is where I learned to master a, a, a daisy BB gun. Took, that took two years before I graduated to a 410 shotgun. Uvalde is where I was taught to revere the power and the capability of the tool that we call a gun. Uvalde is where I learned responsible gun ownership. Remembering he recently considered a bid for Texas governor, decided not to run. And he was up there for a while. 10, 15 minutes? I'd have to go back and time this. Most of it was written. He did ad-lib around the text. He had a piece of paper on the podium there. Hair slicked back, the glasses. He was, you know, jacket on, the serious approach. This was not, this was not all right, all right, all right. And he got emotional. Held up green Converse sneakers belonging to one of the, the kids. He, he and his wife uh, apparently spent quite a bit of time with the victim's families. And he did have his recommendations for how to handle this, as you just heard, not only from Uvalde, where he learned how to shoot, but one who is involved in policy now. We need to invest in mental health care. We need safer schools. We need to restrain sensationalized media coverage. We need to restore our family values. We need to restore our American values. And... 
We need responsible gun ownership. Responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations. Gives you a sense of what this was like. Did it work? Can't imagine. I kept thinking this is either a good idea or it's going to be a bad one for the White House. I don't know how this will be received. Of course, the White House asked repeatedly, well, why was Matthew McConaughey there again? This is Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary. Matthew was here because, as you heard, he has a very personal connection to Uvalde. Uh, he met with the family. He is from there. He was born there. He lives in Texas. And uh, we thought hearing from him directly, him using his platform, is incredibly important. Is that true? There's a controversy over how to see McConaughey, McConaughey. Which one is it? It's McConaughey. So I had it right. Okay. I think I had it right. Thank you. Emily Wilkins is with us because, as I mentioned, Matthew McConaughey was also on Capitol Hill yesterday. He's trying to speak with lawmakers about this. And talks have been going on uh, by phone with these lawmakers, namely Murphy and Cornyn. Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins, a friend of the program. Um, I don't know if anything's changed, Emily. We've been talking about this every couple of days here. But it does sound to me when I hear from Cornyn and Murphy like there will be a product. They're going to have a bill at some point here in the next week. That is what we continue to hear. We know that negotiations are alive and well. And we know that lawmakers tend to negotiate better when they are actually in the same space with, with each other rather than, you know, via Zoom or, or remotely as they were doing for the past week. And so we are trying to, of course, focus on exactly what this bill might actually look like. And we're starting to see a little more of the shape of it. Uh, certain things like raising uh, the minimum age for purchasing semi-automatic weapons uh, to 21 from its current 18. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like that is going to be something that's going to be included. You're hearing right. a lot of strong opposition from Republicans on that. But you do see movement to enact these so-called red flag laws. These are the ones that you know, if, if you have a loved one, a family member, mm -hmm. someone in your community who you think is, is going to be violent to themselves or others, that is going to sort of uh, you have a process now to be able to make sure that person. Does but not a federal law is off the table. Warrant. We're hearing right. This is going to be some it's going to be an incentive for states to pass their own red flag. So, I mean, we're talking about it. It does sound like tell me if I'm wrong, the bare minimum here, Emily. I mean, uh, Yes. Yes. I mean, this is not I think if you ask kind of Democrats what their ideal gun legislation would be, I mean, you've seen them pass things like expanding background control. You're going to see them uh, take up legislation tomorrow that would have a federal red flag gun law. So this isn't what Democrats would be hoping for. I think for most gun groups, it's not what they would be hoping for. But I think there is also an understanding in Washington that this is such a difficult issue to move forward on, that there is a willingness to accept what can be done, even if it's only uh, sort of seen as, as a very small baby step in, in light of everything. And I yeah, think we're right. going to be getting a better sense tomorrow. You know, as we get members of the House, they're coming in this evening, they're coming back. 
kind of get a better sense of where they stand, kind of mm-hmm. how they're thinking about this. They'll be voting on legislation in the coming days on gun storage, um, on, again, raising that minimum age. But but really, Joe, kind of everything right now is is looking the in the Senate in the because Senate, that's, yeah. the, that's the tricky one. To how pass, much time yeah. does Chris Murphy and John Cornyn have, lastly, Emily? Do they have the rest of the week? They have next two weeks? When does Chuck Schumer say, all right, we're going ahead without you? I'm going to say they have until the end of the session, which gives them the rest of this week and two more yeah. additional weeks. Okay. After that, we hit that July 4th recess, and sometimes it gets really difficult to do stuff after that. You lose that momentum, you get into the midterms, and things mm-hmm. just get harder. Appreciate the update, as always. Joining us from the Capitol itself, Emily Wilkins, Bloomberg government, who I'm sure we'll be talking with again soon. Senator Chris Murphy said it himself today. My hope is that we will be able to have a compromised product that saves lives uh, on the table for our colleagues to consider uh, very shortly. I'm encouraged by the discussions that we have had with Republicans over the course of the last week and a half. Every day we get closer to an agreement, not further away. Sounds like they're progressing on something. We'll reassemble the panel next. Got to hear from Rick and Jeannie on Matthew McConaughey, the prospect for compromise on the fastest hour in politics. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. As we reassemble the panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano back together here, Bloomberg Politics contributors, as we consider what the president calls a step forward. He said any step is a step forward, encouraged by his briefing today by Senator Chris Murphy, the Democrat from Connecticut, as you heard a short time ago, tapped to lead the charge on this. He's been dealing with John Cornyn, Republican from Texas. Enter Matthew McConaughey in the briefing room, trying to thread the needle here. Of course, a Democratic White House, a Hollywood actor, trying to transcend partisan politics as the native of Uvalde told stories of meeting with families of the victims, also told stories of learning how to shoot in Texas. 
and went on. We are not as divided as we are being told we are. No. How about we get inspired? Give ourselves just cause to revere our future again. He called for family values, which has been ridiculed in conservative media because, again, he's a Hollywood actor. What do you think about this choice, Rick Davis? You know, I said earlier, I thought, boy, this could either go real well or maybe this is a really bad idea. I'm not sure uh, we have a sense of how this is going to resonate yet. Maybe nobody, you know, maybe he was the tree who fell in the woods, but he certainly leaned into the speech, got emotional at times. Uh, What was the point that the White House was trying to make? Who was the audience? It's hard to tell. This is a bit of a wild card, but my guess is this was the White House attempt to try and keep focus on the issue, right? Uh, these these horrendous events have a tendency to uh, uh, fade from people's uh, memories very quickly. And this administration, I think, wants to get something done. Uh, and, and, and by bringing a superstar into the White House uh, and having them uh, talk about their close connection to the Robb Elementary School shooting and the people of Uvalde, yeah. uh, maybe just keeps the public focused a little bit longer, and maybe that keeps the pressure on the Senate to get a deal. How does that come together? You know, was did the actor make a phone call? He knew somebody in the press office. The White House maybe heard he was in Uvalde. Uh, it's just interesting how these things come together, Rick, because a, a lot of folks who are not you know, savvy to that process, just they see an actor up there as the guy from the Lincoln ads. What's he doing? Yeah, look, I think that, that it could be any one of the things that you said. I mean, it's not unusual for people to be sitting around the White House going, how can we keep this on the front page? How do we keep people's attention galvanized to get a deal in Congress? If we don't keep the pressure on, uh, they're not going to do anything because that's mm-hmm. been the habit in the past. That's been the history. And, and so someone says, hey, Matthew McConaughey's from Uvalde. I mean, like, he's been yeah. talking about it in Texas. We ought to, like, bring him here. And it may be something as simple as that. And the fact that he was willing to hop on a plane, get to Washington, uh, it, it had to be uncomfortable for him. That's not his typical gig. Yes, right. Um, standing in the White House and talking about these emotional things, especially with his connection to the town. So yeah. um, uh, it, it came together fast, regardless of, of, of how it happened. I mentioned he was on Capitol Hill uh, yesterday. Gene, he didn't tell any of the reporters who were up there why, uh, as I guess he was you know, conducting his own business with lawmakers there. But Frank Luntz tweeted uh, a short time ago, the pollster, of course, the performance was better, he said, McConaughey better than any political leader I've ever seen on this. Can you imagine if a politician showed up and spoke the way he did today? Yeah, I, I mean, and then this is a guy who is a, a famous guy, and he's an actor, and of course this is very personal for him. I would also note that we heard today from the teacher, Mr. Reyes, who lost 11 students that day in Uvalde. He gave a very emotional statement, begging the parents not to be angry with him, saying he did his best. I mean, these are people who are going through hell, so I agree with Frank Luntz. He did a very good job, and I also think the White House um, is doing exactly what Rick talked about about. 
you know, there's a very famous book called Presidential Power by Richard Newsat many, many years ago, where he talks about the only power an American president has is the power to persuade. It's the power of the bully pulpit. Yep. Because beyond that, they can issue executive orders and act in very narrow ways. So the White House has got to figure out how to persuade. And if getting Matthew McConaughey to stand up and do that today is going to help persuade constituents to persuade their lawmakers to do something, then that's what they have to do. Do I think it's going to lead to anything beyond incremental change? Unfortunately, no. And that's the reality because Chris Murphy was at the White House today. Biden stepping in on this today with Chris Murphy. And yet after Chris Murphy said, we're not just going to settle for legislation that checks a box. And yet you look at what John Cornyn said on the floor yesterday he said no sweeping overhaul of gun laws right so we're not going to get where matthew mcconaughey wants us to get and where i frankly think we should be in this senate the reality is it's good if you think it's good it's going to be good because it's incremental but that's about where we'll get if anywhere at this point here is john cornyn on the floor we're not talking about banning a category of weapons across the board a ban for certain high-capacity magazines, or changing the background check system by adding additional disqualifying items. We're talking about common sense targeted reforms that are responsive to the tragedies in Uvalde and elsewhere, and that will, I believe, save lives. He's the man who could end up leading the party in the Senate someday, or I know he, he wants to, to think so, uh, Rick Davis. Is, does this end up being a win for Cornyn or Murphy? Is this a Republican win or a Democratic one? I, I'm assuming somebody's going to take credit for this. Oh, sure. I mean, I think that if there's a bill that comes out uh, and it passes the Senate and gets through the House, everyone's going to shake hands and say, well, finally, we actually took a step forward. Mm -hmm. uh, there'll be people on um, both sides that uh, decry any kind of deal. Uh, but I think that that becomes noise in the system. I mean, look, I'd remind everybody that a week ago, you know, we were talking about whether or not a bill could pass at all. You're right. And nobody would have thought we'd gotten this far. Uh, yeah. So um, let's see what they come up with. And, and, and let's see if it actually has the potential to have an impact and certainly change the attitude that the public has toward the ability to regulate uh, some of this industry. Interesting to think about the next stop here. If you look at the president's schedule uh, for the rest of this week, you know, he's flying to L.A. tomorrow. The Summer of the Americas kicking off, and that's a whole story of its own here. But we should have made this the celebrity edition of Sound On. We started talking about the celebrity impact on the L.A. mayor's race. We just spent time talking about an actor, Matthew McConaughey, trying to get involved here in, in the gun debate. Tomorrow, when the president goes out to the Sum of the Americas, one of the first things he will do is tape an appearance on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Jeannie, this is how the White House is, is trying to get to this. I'm sure it's not the only thing he'll be talking about. It's going to be guns, right? It's going to be inflation. He's going to go to the Port of L.A. on Friday to deliver a speech as well. They're trying to keep him in living rooms talking about these issues. They are. And, you know, there's there's been some frustration, particularly on the right, that Jimmy Kimmel is a known liberal and this yeah, is not going right. to be a tough interview of the way Joe Matthew would handle it. Yeah, but well. it is it is it is an interview. It keeps him out there. I, too, wish he would, quite frankly, would do more sit downs um, and he would be more accessible to answer questions. But they are trying to keep him in the forefront because, again, he's going out there and they want to make sure they are keeping this issue and showing that the president is being active. You know, one thing I wish, quite frankly, that they would ask him is if he's really committed to 
gun legislation that is substantial, then why not ask for a carve out of the filibuster mm. in this issue? If you can do it for the budget and you can do it for economic reasons, why uh, not to save kids' lives? So that's not the kind of question we're likely to hear, but I think it's a fair one that he should be asked. I wonder, Rick, is, I mean, is that the right form? Kimmel is an activist. We've seen him get involved in the health care debate. We've seen him crying uh, over stories like these in his monologues. What if he tries to score some points, go after Joe Biden on TV? You know, look, I'd, I'd be shocked if Jimmy Kimmel did anything other than throw softballs yeah. in an orchestrated environment with the president. Um, and, and I agree with uh, Jeannie. I, this is I mean, Jimmy Kimmel isn't a serious interviewer. Why? I mean, he's an entertainer. He does a night show. He tells jokes. Um, why is the president of the United States thinking that this is a way to communicate to the people? Of so a, this is not you know, the forum you'd be putting him in. If you absolutely were not. I think that he owes it to people. He said this was going to be the month he talked about inflation. When are yes, he going right. to talk about inflation? What is his position on guns? What's he going to talk about in the, the summit of the Americas? I mean, China's out there spreading its malign influence all over the region. He hasn't said a word about that this week huh. uh, in a run up to that. So uh, he's got a lot to atone for. But like. This is the non-message White House. They don't seem to have a daily message that goes out of there that says, here's what we would like to convey to the American people or the world. Well, it seems to be inflation is the priority because God knows that's what we've been hearing on Bloomberg, Rick. But, I mean, isn't this, though, the idea here, and this is a page from the Obama playbook, and I, I think you, you certainly put John McCain on late-night TV. Can't you get to more, quote-unquote, real people that way than sitting down uh, with, with a, a news person having that conversation? Yeah, but when John McCain went on late night TV, he told jokes. He he didn't talk about gun legislation. I mean, <laughs> okay. you know, like you got to know the audience. People right. at eleven o'clock at night aren't looking for a lecture; they're looking for a, a laugh. Yeah, right. Does he show up with dad jokes, Jeannie? Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume he might. And, you know, I think they've got to be concerned. He, he may go a bit off script. Um, so I, I, right. I think they have to make sure that Good they're keeping Lord. him on track. But, you know, there, there's plenty of serious issues for him to talk about. And let's not forget, he's going to be in California. Gas prices. I had just had a friend from out there tell me that they've seen stations with gas as high as eight to nine dollars a gallon. Oh so God. that's what he needs to be talking about, whether with Jimmy Kimmel or otherwise. Yeah, we're going to be crossing that five handle on the East Coast if Bloomberg surveillance is any guide with what I'm hearing. Rick and Jeannie, great talk as always. Boy, we've got a big one here. Happy primary day. Results tomorrow. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.